0: Welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. How many people believe that today? Man, we can ask God into any situation that we find ourselves in. Any pain we're experiencing, any heartache that we're that we're having a hard time just to breathe, just to fight through it, that we can welcome his Holy Spirit in and he will move and he will transform and he will change our lives. That's a promise that we have that we can declare in the presence of his Holy Spirit. See, Jesus, Jesus who died for our sin, who came and paid the ultimate sacrifice by giving his life, thank God he rose again and he's seated on high in heaven. See, but what Jesus said is, hey, I have got to go so I can give you something better. I've got to go so I can give you the Holy Spirit so that he can come and fill your life. So he can come and lead your life. We just got to welcome him in. You'll be surprised at what he'll do. God, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for your gift of the Holy Spirit. That when we are transformed by stepping into a relationship with Jesus, that we can declare that truth. That we can have a direct relationship with you through your Holy Spirit residing within us. And with him, we can have victory over anything. Holy Spirit, we pray right now in this space you would move. I pray that you would help me get out of the way as you move and you speak to people, that you would pierce their hearts, not in a way that would be condemning, but convicting, and even illuminating, letting them know that you are there and that you love them and you care for them. God, I thank you that you are in this room. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Why don't you high-five five people and say, you look good before you grab a seat. Thank you, sir. I need to give that prompt more often. It's never taken people longer to sit down, and I love it. We can all use some encouragement. You know the word encouragement means you can put courage into people. So I pray that everybody in this space just got encouraged in the Lord. And the thing is, you might tell somebody, hey, you look good today, but guess what? On the inside, it even looks brighter and even better. And when you have God in your life, man, you are a child of the King. And you are loved so much. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, my name is TJ, as Melissa stated. We're lead pastors here at Soul Revival Church, and we're so blessed and honored that we get to come together on a Sunday, that we get to celebrate the God of the universe who died for us, who gives us transformation and says, hey, whatever your story was is now what it's going to be, because I can change it. Yeah, amen. One amen. Can I get another amen? And we've been in a series right now um, called Summer Mixtape, Volume 2, because we did it last summer too. And God bless some people that sent us their favorite worship songs, and we love it, and we are taking them all into consideration. Uh, but the, the content and the vision behind it is that we're taking topics from you, things that are important in your lives, things you might be struggling with and dealing with, saying, hey, what do you want to hear about through the lens of the gospel? through the story of Jesus, through who he is and the transformation that he'll bring. And it's been a blast. Man, anybody getting some stuff out of it? I know God's been working on my heart and speaking in my heart. And this week we're going to talk about another one of those topics um, that we'll hear about in Micah 6.8. Before we jump in to the Bible, though, uh, just know the Bible is not something to be intimidated by. It's not something to look at and think, oh, man, I better not open it up because I might just start on fire. Not going to happen. The Bible is a love story about the God of the universe who created us to live in relationship with him. But he gave us this gift of free will. Like, hey, you can make your own choices. You can make your own decisions. And because of that, sin entered into the world which separated us from God. But ultimately, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. This is a love story about that God who is fighting for our lives and for our hearts. And this gives us insight and wisdom and truth in how to live out our lives. Not so that we can feel like, oh, this is what I have to do. But it's God's protective love over your heart to say, I want to give you ways to live so that you can be safe, so you can feel joy, so you can feel loved. Sound good? So Micah 6, 8. Some of you already read it because it's up behind me, but then I'm going to read it anyway. It says, he showed you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. And if you're taking notes today, the title of this message is Just Do It. Just do it. I'm going to pray again for us. God, I thank you. Thank you that you're here. Holy Spirit, I need you. We all need you. We're all imperfect and broken people, but thank goodness for you. I just pray that you would speak today and that whatever you have to say, that um, people's lives would be changed because of it. They would be inspired because of it, inspired to move. In a big way, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you weren't with us last week, we talked about addiction, about depression. I was very vulnerable and candid with my addiction to shoes. Uh, and part of that addiction that I have, that I am overcoming, I'm feeling good about that, right, babe? Um, is We're a Nike household, though. Like, we got to have Nike, and Jordan counts as Nike, all right? If you're in Adidas household, that's cool, too. Like, everyone's got to have their own thing, and we're not hating on what that is, but I, I just can't, I can't come to spend money on anything other than Nike. Just It just doesn't feel right. And unfortunately, I've impacted my children because my oldest loves Steph Curry, and he saw some shoes from Under Armour. He's like, hey, Dad, would you ever buy those? I'm like, ah, I don't think I could, but you could. He's like, no, I think I want Nike. (laughs) But Nike started in the 70s. And you've got this cool Nike swoosh, this logo that was created to inspire motion. And they were doing okay until there was this marketing campaign where they came out with this slogan, just do it. And after they positioned that marketing statement, just do it, they took off and exploded. And now they're billions upon billions upon billions. But it was simple. The reason why it stuck with people, the reason why it impacted people is because they had an 80 year old man out there just trying to run in their ad campaign. And the point was anybody could buy some Nikes because anybody can do something. Anybody can take, even if you're just out there walking, this is for anybody, just do it. I don't care what stage you're at, what place you're at in your life, you could exercise. Just do it. Just do something. And people are like, all right, I can do something. They at least got to the store and bought those Nikes. Whether they still exercise, I don't know, but Nike's doing pretty well. But as I was thinking about this, I'm like, well, what does that look like within our faith? What does that look like for those who call themselves followers of Jesus? What does it look like to say, all right, I'm going to just do it. I'm going to live out my faith because I believe God has big plans and he wants to do something in my life and in the life of those around me. But how do we actively live that out? And this verse in Micah is great because uh, God has called us all to love God and love people. My guy Joe said, "Amen." He says that to everybody all the time, and I just love it. Love God, love people. He's taken that as his slogan, which as followers of Jesus, we should all take that as our slogan. But I think it's huge and important. But loving God and loving people—okay, so what does that look like? It sounds great. Love is an action word. What does that mean within our life? So if we look at Micah six eight, where it says, "He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice." to love mercy, to walk humbly. So that's what he's telling us, to do justice, to love mercy and to walk humbly. And I wanna dive into each of those a little bit today so that we can encourage our hearts and hopefully be compelled to just do it, just live on our faith because there's something on the other side of it that you won't regret, I promise. To do justice, the word justice, the way that we would see it from a worldly perspective, justice is saying, hey, they're being punished for their actions. We have a justice system so that if people do things and make mistakes and they were to be put on trial, we're trying to find a punishment that meets the crime. Justice. So then we can find ourselves being wrapped up in pursuing justice because we feel like somebody just did something against us and they deserve to pay the price. Justice. But biblically, when the word justice is used, there's a Greek word, mishpah. For those of you who taking notes, M-I-S-H-P-A-T. You're welcome, Mary. But it means restorative justice. Justice in God's word is different than the world and how we look at what justice means. It's saying, actually, I'm going to fight for the oppressed. I'm actually looking for injustice so that I can help others out. I'm looking for the least of these so that I can love them where they're at. Biblical justice is not about ourself, but it's selfless. We find ourselves in the center of everything. You're like, yeah, but I just woke up in this body and saw myself in the mirror. Of course I'm worried about me. But true justice, saying I'm not focused on me. I'm actually going to think of myself less because I want to reach other people. I want to help other people when they're down. I want to help other people when they're hurting. That is what biblical justice looks like. Jesus states it really well in Matthew 7:12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Like, oh, yeah, the golden rule. Everybody knows this. See, but there's a difference here. See, the golden rule is treat others how you'd like to be treated. It's in response. But what Jesus is calling us to do is to be proactive, to do for others what we would hope they did for us. Saying, I'm not going to wait. I'm not sitting on the sideline. I want to help that single mom. They just might need a break. Bring your kids over. They can come hang out with ours. They're running crazy anyways. It might be that racial injustice that we know is there, those tensions that we fight against. And even as we come together and walk alongside our brothers and sisters that might look differently than us and saying, hey, I love you so much and I see you and who you are because God has created us equal that I'm willing to stand with you. Not in a violent, responsive way. I think the perfect example of that is how dr martin luther king jr lived his life and how he banded people together to say hey we're fighting for something but we're doing it with love because we are fighting for the oppressed when god created mankind he created us on this even playing field saying you are created equal in my image but over time through corruption and through our selfish ambitions and desires hierarchies are created Different people at different levels. Oppressors and those who are oppressed. It's everywhere. Psalm 103.6, though, is God is saying, I work righteousness and justice for all. Righteousness, another one of those Bible words that you're like, what does that even mean? The word righteousness or righteous means to be made right with God. That's what that word means. So as you think of God as being righteous, this is what's beautiful. This is where the story changes. This is when everything changes for everyone. Is because his righteousness is saying, hey, you can't do it on your own. You keep trying, but you keep making mistakes. You're oppressed or you're the oppressor, so I need to send my son Jesus. And he sends Jesus to die for us because Jesus is righteousness. Jesus makes all of us right with God, not because of anything we can do, but because of what he did for us. And with that even playing field, it changes the game. Because now we stop looking at ourselves and saying, hey, I should just get what I want. I should be getting all these luxuries of life. And it's saying, no, if Jesus... The son of God comes fully God, but fully man, lives a life facing sin the way we all do, but he overcomes it. And he is the only one who has never sinned, lives life perfectly, and is put on trial, accused. Talk about justice. He was put to death for a crime he didn't commit. And his form of justice is saying, no, because I came for the oppressed, because those oppressed are truly the ones who don't know God, because he's saying, I got a transformation for your life. I've got something different for you, something greater for you. And Jesus to come in and say, I will lay my life down so I can lift yours up. He's calling us all to that playing field saying, you have access to that. Whatever you're facing today, whatever struggles you have within your life, all of these things that you're up against, and you feel like, I'm just not worthy, I'm not loved, I cannot possibly go to God, I just don't have what it takes to do it because I know He won't accept me. No, those are lies because you can come as you are to Him. What's even better is you're feeling like, Can I go to God? All you gotta do is turn around, He's already there, He's never left. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere all at once. So anytime you feel distant from God, it's because you're hiding and he still sees you. But the righteousness that he offers is incredible because he's saying, hey, you get to be made right with God. You get to come and be a part of the kingdom of God. You are a child of God when you make a decision to follow Jesus. And all you have to do is accept the fact that Jesus paid that price. He paid it for you. How many people like when someone buys you something? I don't know, I'll be in Starbucks line, someone buys my drink, and I'm pumped for the day. They pay my coffee, $7? (laughs) But imagine someone paying their entire life to go through pain and torture for you, to pay that kind of price so that you can have a right relationship with God, righteousness and justice, this willingness to say, I will go low so I can lift you high. And if Jesus did it for us, we can do it for others. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Hopefully I'm not scaring anybody right now, but it's the truth. He's like, hey, everybody will suffer the way that I've suffered, but hey, come follow me. Because I promise it's good. Because when you love somebody, when you help somebody out, man, there's more joy than any Mercedes when you buy it can make you feel. Any Lamborghini, we went to Chicago recently, I see Lamborghinis everywhere. I'm like, man, what does that person even do to be able to afford that? And my mind goes on this tangent just like right now. But this price that Jesus paid for us, that is what justice looks like. And he's calling us to be a part of it too. Romans three twenty-two. Try to stay on track here. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified, Freely, justified, justice. We gain justice freely because of what we did? No, by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. In the world, we're never fully going like, to have the justice we hope for. We're just not. From a worldly or biblically perspective. But when we love people and we're willing to help lift people up, the justice we already have through Jesus is what compels us to act, which compels us to love. Because we seek justice for others. The mishpah type of justice. The restorative justice. Because I want to see people's relationship with God restored because it's available to everybody. But we also want to see that restoration within our world. It doesn't mean we don't hope for it. It doesn't mean we don't love people. It doesn't mean like we don't think about the unborn child and say, you know what, I'm going to love people so well that hopefully these young people, we can be inspiring their lives so it doesn't even get to a point where they have to make that decision of being a parent or not. Or we're in their life when they're in that position and we say, hey, let me walk alongside you because God has a purpose for your life and that baby's life. It's loving people. It's that restorative justice. It's not the condemning justice. It's not the justice that says you're wrong. It's saying, no, man, you're hurting and I wanna help. How can I be there for you? Justice. And then to love mercy. I love the word mercy. Mercy means you don't get the punishment you deserve. It goes hand in hand as we're talking about justice. To love mercy is to say, I love mercy so much because I deserve death. I deserve brokenness. I did not deserve a relationship with God, but he sent Jesus anyways and he gave me that kind of mercy, that condemnation that I deserve. No, changes everything and says, no, you are a child of God. You are loved and you are cared for and you have purpose within you and you have salvation in the name of Jesus. And when we experience that kind of mercy, we can love mercy. We can love to give it to other people. But for some reason, we love for people to know they're wrong and to pay for it. They got what they deserved. It's like, yeah, but we didn't. That's not saying there aren't consequences to actions. We talk to our kids about it all the time. But it's saying, hey, there might be a consequence to your action, but I'll still love you through it. I'll still come alongside you through it. I'm not going to change the way I feel about you through it. I'm still going to love you because I see you as a child of God. Because you are valuable, because you are cared for, because you matter. And I love to extend that mercy. You ever extended mercy to someone and their eyes just light up? we got kids and we feel like we're doing it all the time. Like your tablet is gone and then they, you know, make some good choices for a little while and they come all sweet like could I please have it back? Yes, but you know this is mercy, right son? <laughs> <laughs> Praise God for mercy. Cuz we're going crazy. Cuz they're going crazy cuz they ain't have their tablet. Can I be real with you in here? Can I be real But God's mercy is so good that he's not annoyed with us, though. That's the difference between human and God. Because his mercy that he gives to us freely is like, hey, I'm not going to make you pay that penalty you deserve, and I'm still going to look at your sin as far as the east is from the west. I'm still giving you the grace and the forgiveness and the love to say, hey, just come right here. Because he loves to extend mercy to us, so we have got to love to extend mercy to others. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. It's in the Bible. I think it is. I'm just kidding. It is. Luke 6, 36. It also says in John three sixteen. These are the verses everybody probably knows. Wrestling fans, sport fans, anybody's heard this verse. For God so loved the world, that he sent his one and only son that whosoever should believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. But I love verse 17 just as much. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Mercy. He could have come in and been like, man, you all missed the point. Couldn't get it right. Couldn't get it together. And he's like, no, but I came to save the world with mercy. And then we walk humbly. Humility, our understanding of our desperate need of God in all things. I like that definition. Humility, that reminder that I have a desperate need of God in everything because it makes it more about him and less about us. That's the difference as we walk between pride and humility. Walk humbly. When we have a posture of excitement and appreciation for what God has done for us through the justice that he sought for us, the mercy that he's given us, man, how do we not respond with humility? Like, God, I'm not good enough. There's a parable that Jesus shares about in the Bible where there's this Pharisee, this religious dude, who goes up and starts praying, like, God, I thank you that I'm not like that guy. Praying, he's not praying, he's just celebrating himself. But then here's this tax collector, the lowliest of the lows, who's just like, God, I can't even look up at you. He's tearing his shirt off like, and this is not like PG-13. This is what people would do as a sign of like, ah, I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Bill and Ted, anybody? No? But this feeling of God, I, can, I cannot even come before you because you're so good and still you've given me this mercy. And Jesus is like, that, that is what I celebrate. Not the religious guy looking cool and how he prays and all the right words he's saying, but no, that guy who understands what humility looks like because he knows the price I paid for him and he's living in it, but he's still coming before God and just laying it all out there like, God, I love you. It's what it looks like to walk humbly. God opposes the proud. Anybody ever heard that? It's the one time in the Bible you hear that God is opposing people. Normally, like, he's always coming after people, but that's what it says. Like, he opposes the proud. But he shows favor to the humble. James 4, 6. So when we're humble, he actually gives us his favor. Because humility, it's it's admitting the fact that it's not about you, and you can't do it on your own. That is God and he's the one doing it. He's driving everything. That he's in control, but because of the justice that he's given us, because of the mercy that he's given us, you can walk with humility just to have a place of gratitude. Like, wow, he has done all of this for me. So how do I not do this for others? How do I not love other people well so that they can know who he is? I want people to know that kind of love, that type of grace, that type of justice. That type of mercy and the way that we're humble allows people to see that. Proverbs 16, 18, 18 and 19 says, pride goes before destruction. Pride before the fall. I bet a lot of you have heard that phrase before. Came from the Bible. Most things you hear, even in the secular world, leadership books, all of it. You read the Bible, you'll be like, oh, I read that somewhere. All things, all good things come from God. That was another side note for you. Sorry, I'm trying to keep on track. A haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Saying you are better off to be in humility hanging out with those who are oppressed because you love them and are trying to lift them up than to be just hanging out with people in pride that are having all the riches of the world. It's a heart posture. When Jesus changes your heart, it changes everything. And when your heart is changed, it breaks for other people because you know what he did for you. And you wanna do the same for any and everybody. It's anybody that's oppressed. And that can be challenging because sometimes you don't always get along with people. Sometimes you might not always see eye to eye with people. It might look differently in your situation but it doesn't matter. He calls us all to the same. Walk humbly. Walk humbly. To walk requires movement. That's why it's called following Jesus. My favorite part of service every Sunday is when people make that decision to accept Jesus into their life. But our follow-up is equally as important because we want to help people now follow him. Because you can have Jesus, you can accept the fact that he died for you, you can believe in that truth and have salvation for eternity, but if you're not actually following him, you're missing out on some incredible things. You're missing out on experiencing his kingdom here and now. The luxury that it looks like to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. So I would challenge you today, like, just do it. Just do it. Take one small step, like that 83-year-old man, to just do it. As we think about what justice is and what justice looks like, I'm going to use an illustration. My man Jordan, come over here for a second. As we seek justice and we look to somebody who might be in a different position than us and we say, hey, I got you. And you're just like, all right, now we're together. God has created us for equality. He has created us to do life together and justice looks like lifting people up. And then as you walk together, come on, come walk with me. And we're doing life together and now we're on mission together and now we're trying to find places and spaces to love other people and to show justice. Ooh, they give us some more lights. I love it. And then we see our brother Isaiah right here. And it's like, okay, he's in a position where he's being oppressed. How do we help him out? Pray for us. We got this. That is a picture of what justice looks like. And now here we are standing together and it's like, all right, now we're on mission. God is in the business of multiplication. We're reaching low and people are in different spaces, but say, hey, God has created us all equal and all in his image. So now as we come together, boom, now there's three of us. When you love people and you meet people where they're at, And you say, I want to lift you up and bring you to a space because I see something in you. And I can tell you in both of these men right here, I see God working and moving in their lives and it is such a pleasure to know them. That is what justice looks like though as an image and a representation of him trying to level the playing field. Because that's what he did. Jesus sent Jesus to say, I love everybody. You've all messed up, but accept me and you're good. Now I got some good for you to do. That's the uh version of the Bible. <laughs> Coming to a store near you soon. Can we give it up for them right now? You Go ahead. Yeah. But that is a picture of what justice looks like. Because over time, there's just all of these different levels and the way that people are ostracized and cast out and God's saying, hey, man, pull some people up. Lift some people up. Let them know how loved they are because you're that loved and they're that loved. So why are we looking down on anybody in life? Let's lift people up. Let's seek justice together. That's what doing justice looks like. That's what loving mercy looks like. Jesus shares this incredible illustration about this. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up, I'm almost done. The Good Samaritan, we've all heard of it. And if you haven't, you're about to know. But Jesus is hanging out and he's teaching and everybody's asking questions and this attorney comes up to him and he's like, hey, hey God, if you are God, what should I be doing in life? What are the right things to do? Isn't it to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself? And Jesus is like, yeah, you actually, you got that. Go ahead and do it, and you're good. His follow-up question is hilarious, though, because he's like, okay, um, but just for clarity's sake, <laughs> who is my neighbor? See, we always want to ask that question. Who's my neighbor? Who's that person that's oppressed? Who's that person that's on the outside? Who's that person that I have to consider a neighbor? Because if I have to love them, just let me know who it is. Oh, and this illustration that he shares. An illustration, in other words, what is called is a parable within the Bible. But he says, all right, check it out. This Jewish dude was traveling on a street in the hood. And he got beaten up. All his stuff got taken, and he's laying there for dead. So then this pastor walks by, and he's like, ooh, kind of walks around him. <laughs> I got big plans. I can't be bothered with that right now. And then this religious dude, he comes, he walks by, he's like, oh, man, I pray for you. Pray for, I pray for you. I pray for you. I'm adding stuff here, okay? When you read the Bible, that's not really what happens but then this Samaritan walks along and this Samaritan goes and he sees this man beaten and bruised laid out for dead and he comes up to him and he tends to his needs the thing is a Samaritan was the enemy of a Jewish person the Jewish people would walk around Samaria way longer just to avoid walking through it because they opposed them and did not want to be near them And here this Samaritan comes and he's like, man, I'm going to take care of you, man. That's talking justice. He's showing justice. Not the kind the world would say. The world would say that he should have been the first one to be like, ha ha, got what you deserved. Peace. This is not how we responded. He's like, not only am I gonna cater to you and tend to you, I'm gonna put you up on my animal. I'm gonna walk you over to this inn and I'm gonna say, hey, whatever this guy needs, pay for it, take care of it. I'll be back and I'll cover it all. Love mercy. He's extending mercy. The one person in the world he shouldn't have had to give it to, he's showing it to. That's what it looks like to love mercy and to walk with humility because he knows what God had done for him. So he's like, man, I'm willing to do it for someone else. I'm not gonna allow the worldly politics to hold me back from loving a fellow person that I know is loved by God. And then after Jesus shares this parable, he's like, so who do you think is the neighbor in this scenario? The one who helped him. He couldn't even bring himself to say the Samaritan. See today, some of you you might experience injustice and my heart breaks for you. And some of you experience things that I'll never fully understand, but I will tell you, I will come down and I will love you and I'll meet you in your pain. And sometimes God's gonna call you to love those that the world would say are unlovable. Sometimes God is gonna call you to love even those who treated you terribly. But have this picture in your mind of Jesus, who while he's on the cross about to die for you and die for me, as he cries out to his father and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Justice and mercy and humility. Jesus modeled it for us and he died for us so that we could have salvation in him. And he's saying, you have an opportunity to do the same because I have given you this Holy Spirit. Walk in step with the Spirit because through him, I want to do even more. But are you willing to extend justice to go low and lift people up high? Are you willing to love mercy because you know the mercy that you've been given so you're willing to extend it to even those the world would say you should not even have touched it. And are you willing to walk with humility when people say, oh, why are they doing that? We don't like them. Why is he loving them? Why is she loving them? Man, because Jesus did it for me. That's what he offers us. And that's what he invites us in to be a part of. And it doesn't look normal by the world's standards because we're called to live differently. And Jesus changed everything. He changed my life. There were people I didn't wanna be around, people that I looked down on, people that I looked up to, like I'm never gonna be there and I'm never gonna be good enough. But when Jesus came in and transformed my life, I was like, man, I'm a child of God. There's an equality there and the equity is the blood of Jesus. He invested that into your life and into my life to say, now I've created you all equal and I've got plans for you. Yeah, there's still oppression that we're facing, but Jesus came to demolish that because he is bringing the world back to himself. He is redeeming the world to himself through his church. And it's not where we come and hang out on a Sunday, it's how we proactively live out our faith. And you might be in this space today, you're like, man, this all sounds well and good, but what does it even look like to have a relationship with God? God's word says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. There is salvation for you. The same justice we're talking about, whatever you're facing in your life right now, but you can be justified in Christ. You can be brought back to the Father because he will extend mercy. Whatever mistakes you've made, any troubles that you had, any place that you might've found yourself thinking, man, I'm just not worthy to come before God. He's saying, no, you can have that mercy today. I will forgive you of all of it and I won't hold it against you because you need to know that you are loved and you are chosen and you are cared for. And you can, you can express that through humility by saying, man, God, yeah, you did that for me. Now help me walk with humility through my life and accept the fact that I can't do it on my own. I need somebody and that somebody is Jesus and that is available to everybody. And we never close a service without giving someone that opportunity. So I'm gonna ask right now, if everybody would be so kind to close your eyes and bow your heads. This is a safe space. And I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if you're in this space and you say, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus, I would ask you to shoot your hand in the air. One, you need to know that Jesus, he died for you specifically. He had you in mind that moment. Two, your sins are forgiven. There is nothing you can do or have ever done that could separate you from his love because Jesus paid that price. That's what justice looks like. And three, if that's you, would you be so bold to shoot your hand in the air today to say, yes, I would like a relationship with Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can go ahead and put them down. I want to pray over everybody who just made that decision today. God, I thank you. I thank you that you transform lives, that you meet people exactly where they're at, and that you show justice, that you show mercy. Oh, we humbly need you, God. Lord, I pray that you would inspire them to continue to pursue you, to just do it. To say, I'm gonna take that next step, even if it's a small one, because they are transformed in your image. God, we are celebrating with all of heaven over that decision today. God, I thank you that you have forgiven their sins as far as the East is, from the West, that they've made that decision to say, yes, Jesus, I believe in who you are and that you came and died for me, but that you rose again. God, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate with all of heaven right now for those who made that decision? Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.